what are some of your other memorable moments working with Jason Calacanis this week in startups? Yeah. So Jason and Molly, Molly Wood was my other boss there, and she was just as involved as Jason was, like, in the day-to-day process. But under both of them, you know, they have so many years. They might have, they might be, like, some of the people that have been within, like, the radio and podcasting space the longest that are still extremely active. Hey, welcome back to Seed to Harvest, a podcast with founders, creators, and investors about their stories, frameworks, and tactics. Really excited to have my friend Rachel Braun on today. Rachel, can you please introduce yourself to the audience? Of course. So my name is Rachel Braun, like Paige said. Paige and I have known each other, it's almost been like a year now, which is insane. And I am a producer and researcher. And formerly, I met Paige when I was a producer working at This Week in Startups. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to I want to kick things off. What initially sparked your interest in media and tech as it stands today? Yeah, of course. So initially in college, I had studied this major called IST, which is Information Systems and Technology, Information Sciences and Technology, actually. And... A lot of my friends in the program really wanted to be computer scientists. And I was like, I love tech, um, but I really don't know if I want to go down the comp sci path. I don't know if I really want to be a software engineer. So I think just having to dive in online, especially during those college years, and figure out what else there is in the tech community that isn't software engineering was a great introduction. Honestly, before that, even going into college... Like Cyber Chase was my favorite show when I was a oh, kid. So. Such a good I feel like show. It's like a foundation, right? It's like yeah, like the foundation we, of my youth. Did we graduate around the same time? When did you graduate from college? I graduated from Penn State in 2020. Okay, sweet. Same year. COVID grads. Did you right. guys? Did you March, guys graduate on like oh. Zoom or Facebook Live? What was your? We did. Oh, we did Zoom and. I think like one of the Jonas Brothers was on our Zoom though, what? so that was cool. Like Joe Jonas, yeah. So we, we, yeah. it was over Zoom, but it could have been worse. We were Facebook Live. We did not have one of the Jonas Brothers, but it was pretty cool from what I remember. <laughs> it was, it's a weird times. Okay, so let's 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 talk about being extremely online. I think there's like a really interesting thing that happened, like specifically with like our grade and a couple years after where our like period of creating friends was really forced to be online due to the pandemic so i'd love to hear more about like what's your experience been being extremely online active on twitter in those circles any like fun stories that you want to share i mean i'm sure there's like a ton of fun stories i feel like now i went honestly before the pandemic i wasn't super on twitter i wasn't really on twitter until 2021, so a year after college. I mean, I had an account, but I wasn't really tweeting actively as much. And then 2021, I started tweeting more and making those like online friends because I worked remote and I was living yeah. with my parents in a suburb of Baltimore. And I was like, okay, there aren't as many people in tech right now living in Baltimore that at least I have access to. So where are they hiding, basically? And that's kind of why I started going like, to Twitter more and like interacting with people and being like, hey, like, what are you guys up to? Like, what do you do for work? Like, where are you located? Like, I really want to meet friends in my industry. I worked at such a small company and being fully remote, I was really missing that human connection. But even before that, I was an army brat growing up, like right before we pressed record on this. I told you I went to like for high school, I had four schools in four years, like three high schools and a community college. So I feel like having 
online friendships was something that I was like relatively comfortable with, like moving around a lot. I feel like Facebook Messenger was like a a lifeline a little bit. I love that. I, I feel like it's like a very specific skill to build friendships online as well. I'm I'm curious, like on that note, what was your first tweet that went like semi-viral? Do you remember it? I think it was one about creating connections. I think it had something to say. It was something to like the tune of a lot of young people are really good at. Oh, are you okay? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna see if I could find it. Uh-oh. I think it's I think it's something like young people are really good at creating connections, but not really good at like cultivating friendships or something along those lines. And that was definitely something I was feeling at the time. I it was probably around that 2021 like time period. Yeah. Where a lot of my the peers that I have met online were professional and I was realizing like, oh, like things don't really go any deeper than like maybe like a shared article or something like that. Like I felt like connections could only go so far on the internet, which might be like kind of not very like Gen Z of me to say, but I don't think I've even now have been able to make like a true 100% genuine friendship with somebody until I meet them in person. That's super interesting. I feel like I made like, actually I'm doing like a retreat this weekend with this group chat that I met over Twitter, we like jokingly call ourselves the Sim Squad, but it's like Gabby Goldberg, <laughs> Gabina, and Shreya, and we all met through like various like Clubhouse or Twitter, and then we've just had an active group chat for the past three years, and we've done sort of I second, love that like retreat that we've done, but I feel like before that I hadn't really created any super crazy friendships. I mean, I feel like. There's homies that I made. I used to play like a lot of Adventure Quest. I don't know if you ever played that, but that was pretty awesome. I was deep. I used to do like RuneScape. Yeah. RuneScape was my game, you know? But even then, like it felt like things could only go so deep. I guess I've made a lot of friends online, but it takes like me to meeting them. And like I've met them in person. Like I brought those friends like IRL, like Emmerer, who you previously had on the podcast, like yourself. Like we've met in person before. And I just think like having that, moves the dial from like a connection to like more so a friendship okay let's talk about okay so i attended the all-in summit i got a ticket after i came to speak on this weekend startups and that's where i met you that's where i met landon who was on the podcast in my first season and we were joking that we were all at the kids table because i think we were like a bunch of the people (laughs) that were like under 25 there what are some of your most memorable moments from that summit? And then I'll ask you like more broadly about working with Jason Calacanis as well. That is a great question. I think first off, there was like so many people that helped launch the summit. That was super really fun for me to meet people IRL, like I said before. Like I was on a completely remote team. So before even the summit happened, I would go down with a coworker named Amber, who is just such a superstar. And we looked at a bunch of venues and stuff like that. And really just the experience of learning how an event to that scale really happens. And Jason always calls it, I believe he says, like a mom level service, right? So there are a bunch of hotels and Amon is like a very, very fancy hotel for people that don't know because I didn't know. And they do a bunch of stuff to like level up. So I'm not sure if Amon did this, but an example he used is like one time he went into a hotel like everybody already knew his name that was like part of the staff and then when he went to his hotel room like the pillowcases were monogrammed and like learning how to create an event that was just like 
the Amon level service, like how can we create this, like level it up, was an insane, was just insane. Like not a lot of people, especially young people, get to learn like, okay, this is, these are like some things that we have to have at this event for this many people in this kind of venue. Like it, it was awesome. Yeah, it was super cool. I remember the first night was a Godfather's themed poker mm-hmm. night and it was in this crazy art deco kind of like a converted theater or something like that it was like such a gorgeous- yeah, it, was, it was a converted bank it was insane oh my problem that was i don't think there was enough bathrooms but it was cool it was cool i the think you remember as an event producer <laughs> i know I, I was like i was just like, dang it like i just so the bank was awesome but it was and the venue was beautiful and like everybody just did such a good job but if i could change anything it would be it echoed a lot oh there. yeah and i think like engaging a room being able to turn down music and stuff like that especially at an event that's like so geared toward like networking and meeting others yeah would have been really helpful and then also like just increasing the bathrooms like maybe that's a girl problem like the line's always long no the bathroom ratio like important i remember they did like the bars at the like old teller station so which was really cool you like go up yeah like you're going to the bank teller yeah that was that was really cool it was so fun to meet you in person at that event i think like what are some of your other memorable moments working with Jason Calacanis at this weekend startups yeah so Jason and Molly Molly Wood was my other boss there and she was just as involved as Jason was like in the day-to-day process but under both of them you know they have so many years they might have they might be like some of the people that have been within like the radio and podcasting space the longest that are still extremely active so just being able to learn under people that are so legacy within this niche of media was really cool. Before coming on to This Week in Startups, I had my own podcast. And I remember like I was talking to Jason being like, hey, what did you think of like my podcast? I don't even know if I mentioned it, actually. I think he he said he listened to it like before I joined the team. Yeah. And I think he said it was like a seven out of 10 or something. And I remember being like, oh, man, I'm getting a 10 out of 10. And somebody just told me on a previous episode that he ranked me like an 11 out of 10. Uh... It took like three years two years but we got there i love that well i feel like it takes like a good amount of time to get more like comfortable with interviewing like i don't know so you ran a segment called okay boomer which i adore what it what did you focus on with okay boomer you share yeah so i mostly focused on so actually Paige, this is a fun fact i actually wanted you to come on okay boomer yeah i know but jason had a segment and i really that it, I think it was on like first time investors. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was called so Angel. like this investment cycle. It's like emerging yeah, managers. Yeah, Angel was the segment. Were you guys? Yeah, talking? emerging. There it is, emerging fund managers. And I was like, dang it, like Paige would just I could do both. Really freaking good. Yeah, I was like, she would just be so freaking good for this segment. So mm-hmm. I, I had to like forfeit you for that for that segment instead, which you absolutely killed it on. But okay, Boomer was interviewing people that were creatives and founders and investors, similar to this whole podcast, but. Focusing on people that were young or early on in their career or people that have maybe founded companies that impact people that are really young in their career and kind of just hearing about their experiences and things that they found to be difficult and any advice they'd have like along the way. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's so cool. I'm curious like, okay, so I just recorded an episode about cold outreach and I feel like it's been received really well. Have you used cold outreach to get anywhere interesting in your career? Totally. Everywhere. Like everything I do is like anytime there was somebody that we wanted to have on the show, it was like between me and sliding into their DMs or 
you know, figuring out like which platform like I could actually read th- reach them on. I feel like I would I would be very very uh, much in a different place in my career yeah. if it wasn't for cold outreach. The cool story I have is I always tell people this, so I probably sound like a broken record. But the founder of House, which unfortunately doesn't exist oh. anymore, but her name was Helena Helena Price Hembrecht, and it was like my favorite non like I think it's low alcohol aperitifs. Yeah, I have some bottles in office. Alcohol. It's oh, amazing. They're so cute. Yeah, they're so cute. If you want to make like a little, it was the pandemic like mixy for me. Loved having them because they were low alcohol. I didn't get migraines after. Like I'm not a crazy big drinker, so House was just awesome. And they make a really cool tote bag that has like pockets on the inside for bottles, which I loved. But I remember she was like blowing up over the pandemic, right? And I reached out to her and I was like, hey, can you come on like my podcast? And this was before I joined the Speaking Startups. And she like actually responded. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is insane. Because at the time that was like the biggest person that's ever responded to me. Yeah. And she said, hey, listen, I'm actually so busy right now. But if you reach out to my assistant, like I would love to talk some other time, but just like this season of life is insane. And like a year later, I reached out to her assistant and I was like, hey, I'm actually like the producer on this week in startups. I know she's crazy busy, but if she has any time, like this would be so, this would be so sick if she, if she could like come on, like this would be awesome. And she was able to come on and just how kind she was to me, I think like in the initial conversation made it like so exciting for me to reach out to her the second time, but. When I reached out to her the first time, it was actually a challenge that I had where I reached out to one person every day for 100 days. And I think I tracked it on Twitter somewhere. Wait, but cool. I did cold outreach for 100 days. I didn't know you did that. Yeah. That's awesome. Are some of the think. people that you like reached out to? It was good. To? Oh, my gosh. I actually – so I reached out to Toby, which is the guy who hosts the Morning Brew podcast. Over there, he was one of the people – Kat Cole, I reached yeah, out to and she queen. came on my podcast just she was on before the- she even did Athletic Greens. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that I was think like, we her, like the same time because she was on my season one and then she like came out right after, like the week after yeah. or something. She, I had her like, I remember my episode with her dropped a week after she announced that she was stepping down from her previous role as like president of the company that owned Cinnabon. Yeah. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. What's <laughs> happening next? I feel like her journey yeah. from like being the youngest VP at Hooters and doing their international expansion to working at like Cinnabon and then like moving to like the the parent company, which is Focus Brands. And then her move yeah. to Athletic Greens was so interesting because she had worked at these like legacy brands and then like fully switched over to like athletic greens which i think of as like such a different consumer base but she's just like such a talented operator and like brand marketer yeah. so i think that's powerhouse super- she yeah if anybody like has the chance to check out her story her her formative years while she was in college and her experience like with hooters insane insane it's so cool to listen she basically did everything at like one of the hooters and she was, was really doing the most she literally she was she's yeah. a beast she's an absolute beast dang wait and i she got love- married at burning man which is really cool yeah so. she's so sick well, okay wait so i'm curious like with your cold outreach i love that as a challenge were you just like looking to make new connections or like what was your goal with the cold outreach or what would you ask people when you reached out to them 
So I was a fellow, I think, at this time at Dynamo Venture Capital. At the time, I was like, maybe I'll do VC. I applied to grad school. I got into grad school and actually didn't go. But I didn't know right then what I was like going to do after the fellowship. If I was going to stay in investing, if I was going to join a startup, or if I was going to go to grad school for computer science, like I knew that I didn't really want to do it. But during the pandemic, I kind of felt like nobody knew what was happening. So I was like, I just need to keep reaching out to people, see what, like, kind of feel out what the landscape is. And I also think it's really important, even if you're a part of a remote team, if you're a remote worker, to cultivate some sort of network because it's so much harder when you're not in an office. Like, I love working remote, don't get me wrong, but I have to work like 10 times harder. And you have to do stuff like without being asked in order to kind of show that you're like somebody at this in like in this landscape, like nobody. It's kind of like posting on social media. Nobody's going to know your Twitter account exists if you don't tweet. And the same thing goes with networking, especially professionally in tech. You know, nobody's going to know you're, you exist unless you kind of like put more effort into that. And living somewhere that wasn't necessarily a tech hub, I had to work like a million times. It felt like harder than my friends that already were in SF. A great example of this who absolutely kills it is Turner Novak. Like, he doesn't live in a target tech city, but he's constantly, like, constantly putting himself out there to meet other people, to, like, show, like, hey, this is, like, banana capital. This is what I do. And I have, like, so much respect for that. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. I met him, I think, when we were just getting started on Twitter around the same time. So it's been super cool to see, like, that cohort of kind of, like, solo GPs who got their start really on Twitter take off it's been super yeah. cool oh okay i want to ask you speaking of twitter you have been sharing some tweets recently about your thoughts on like ai and music there's been that viral drake song that's been going around you were commenting on grimes talking about using like being okay with using their likeness and creating ai music can you share a little bit on your thoughts on what's going to happen there i feel like I don't know. I like wanted to manage rappers when I was younger. So I feel like I, I learned a lot about like music copyright. And I feel like a lot of the people that are talking about it online don't have as deep context for it. So I'd be curious to like hear what your take on it is. Yeah. So something that's super interesting is I don't know too much about um, copyright on, uh, at all with music. But with like this AI landscape, it's getting so freaking interesting. So this is also according to The Verge, and I linked this article over on my Twitter. If anybody's like interested in reading more about it, I believe they broke down like the the issue where YouTube took down the AI generated song that like featured The Weeknd, and that was because the label that manages The Weeknd and a bunch of other people, I think it's called the Universal Music Group mm-hmm. (UMG), owned the Metro Booming tag. Like that actually started in the beginning of that song so youtube didn't take it down because like the label owned the song because the label didn't they just took it down because the label owned that producer tag in the beginning and so if that song gets re-uploaded without the producer tag it's going to create a, a lot of like a lot of talk i think like in the copyright world with considering like if you take somebody's voice and you upload it does that give like the label the right to take it down if they weren't the ones to necessarily like own the song initially and i also think what grimes is doing is going to be so cool because i think there's like a really interesting path here for passive income where if you are somebody that is a musician who doesn't necessarily want to make that their full-time career maybe 
this is just something that you're doing for fun, I think it would be really cool. Maybe you're a singer to like upload your voice, like a few songs of you singing and say, hey, you can use my voice in everything as long as I get like a certain percentage in the song. So there's a website, I'm blanking on what it's called, but like creators right now and musicians can go and like use different like vocals basically and like short lyrics that people are singing and like use them in their songs. And I imagine like a platform like that existing for people with like their AI voices. And I'm sure something like this already exists, like speaking it out, but it's going to be interesting. And the question I have is like, will we still value AI generated music as much as we value not AI generated music. So say there's like a Taylor Swift song that comes out and it's like AI generated Taylor Swift. Are we still going to value it as much? And if we don't, like our generation, are we going to sound like, like when I like show like my dad, the music I'm listening to, he's like, there's no real instruments in it. Like, rah, rah, rah. like this isn't real music. Like, are we going to sound like that? Yeah. Like, like, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Is like the generational shift is like, does the generation that comes after us is that more accepting or less accepting of those changes that are happening because i feel like there's definitely i don't know i did get my parents in a house music and i i know they're listening right now but i got them into like a lot of house music <laughs> and i don't know i think it's just a really interesting application like ai and the creative spaces specifically is like that running dialogue of does this impact people as much like, is this story enough? Is this art enough to be considered, like, with original content that's produced by an artist? I feel like one of the things that's cool about, like, original art is that it's imperfect. Because I feel like yeah, AI-generated creative things tend to be... Well, I would say there's definitely some examples of things that are like that, but... <laughs> there's, like, less space for imperfections if you're looking at, like, a, a you know, a large language model or something like that writing a song like sometimes i think the beauty can come from those imperfections okay let, yeah. let's talk about creator totally tools right. so you've produced podcasts you've had your own podcast what are the creator tools what does your stack look like today Ooh, for podcasting yeah. or yeah let's hear it that is a great question so it totally depends it totally depends okay. on who i'm producing for because i think like everybody has like their own opinion on like what they like the best so a bunch of people have sure microphones for example i use like a samson q2u because it's light and like i can like toss this thing off my desk and it was like 60 bucks so i think like the best thing to consider kind of like when you want to start a podcast or when you are podcasting is like yeah you can have like the entire setup of somebody else but like what really works for you in your space like there was times, and you can even like see this in episodes, where if Jason's traveling or if Molly was traveling, we would actually have them wear like these headsets that are kind of dorky yeah. You guys looking, sent me one. <laughs> I have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With like like a mic on like on the headset, right? Yeah. Like how somebody would at a call center, because at the time, like that was the thing that worked the best in that moment. But I hate how much people think there's like this barrier to entry with a lot of creative mediums and a lot of creative outlets. Because nine times out of ten, especially within podcasting, I know, there's a way to make it work. Like yeah. Whatever your budget is, whatever your situation is, your living situation maybe, like there's a way to a way to figure it out. Yeah, I love I honestly love the ones. Well, I feel like uh, the Gimlet Media startup podcast is like the OG. I think 
Adam Faze, who produced a bunch of like really interesting original podcasts. And now is it Mad Realities? He showed me it and I was like, oh, this like blew my expectation away of like what a podcast could actually be. Because it's like he's telling a story and then yeah. it cuts into voice memos and you can, you know, he's like on the street pitching a VC. And I feel like that was so cool. So I do think that like if you understand the context and you're not expecting perfection in like a perfectly quiet room or whatever, you can come out with some like really interesting creative stuff. And it's also crazy because in the world of podcasting right now, like we are really like we're such newbies in this space. And right now, most podcasts that like I see people putting out are just audio, they're video as well. And there's like other components of it. And where are we going to drive, draw this line? between maybe having like a talk show or a YouTube channel versus like a podcast. Oh, like, yeah. Podcasting is really blurring this line right now. And I, my favorite content to consume ever is like video essays. So it's like videos online talking about stuff that's like, I don't know, there's, there's a great person that I like. Her name is Tiffany Ferg. And she has something called internet analysis and video essays on like things like van life. And is it like great? Or is this something that is actually just a miserable thing that people are putting up on the internet trying to glorify? And it's really interesting to hear other people's perspectives. And I can listen to them and, you know, like go. I go love a good social my, commentary you know? one. I like I, Mona Lee I on YouTube those. does some really interesting yes. ones. On like oh, my gosh. Core, core. She's talking about TikTok the 90s. Trends, Y2K. Yes. Hyper feminine. Heroin chic. Yeah. She does some she really, really interesting that. stuff. I like how she like dives or yeah. she did a really cool one on cottage core, but she basically like breaks down yes. the historical elements of trends and then like their applications today. And her videos are like really well edited. She also has really great thumbnails. Yeah, she does. And it's like, what's the difference between that? Because and a podcast. And I think what's crazy is that obviously is, um, takes a lot more effort yeah. than something that I'd be doing for podcasting. But if you just strip her audio, um, one of the reasons why I think she's like a great creator is if you strip her audio down and you're just listening, you can tell exactly what's happening in the video. Like you're not so reliant on the video portion yeah. of her content. And I think that is incredibly important for most creators. It's, it's like, like standalone even audio with TikTok. Like, yeah. Yeah. And if you can't just focus on one of those factors, like you really have to have something that is capturing all these senses because people's attention spans are so short. Like what... You got to make sure they're engaged yeah. somehow. I was laughing. Um, I, was, I was thinking about something my brother said. So we were doing this like, so one of my brothers edits a podcast and the other one, Owen, was the one who illustrated my book. And we were talking about it and we we're like, all right, Owen, like, what do you want to see in the podcast? And we do like YouTube shorts. So we do like eight videos weekly. It drives like 80% of our views on YouTube and probably like 50% of our new subscribers come from there. And he was like, oh yeah, you should try making like podcast videos plus asmr like slime videos because he said there's this trend on tiktok of people like having something that's very like, like talking over yeah audio well just like yeah. literally two videos so it's like one is the podcast and then one is like someone playing subway surfer or like an asmr like cutting play-doh yeah. and i was like oh my gosh that's crazy but he was like yeah it makes sense because like if you get bored watching the person you can just watch the asmr video and you can like listen to it and like, but you're not, yeah. like, overstimulated. And I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. It's getting very meta out there. But I feel like it'll be it interesting is. to try. But if you – and if you step back to, like, six months ago 
we kind of see that with like get ready with me tutorial yeah with alex earl who's like a really popular youtuber so yeah you're watching her do her makeup so you can yeah have the audio off and this is something that you're extremely interested in but at the same time like you really want to be engaged with what she's saying yeah exactly well it's it's almost like i watch videos and oh i think a good example of this like is hitomi i've been following her for like years now on youtube which is crazy but she'll do like a getting ready video and she'll just like do something really surprising like she had this Oh my god, it was so insane. I, my brothers and I were talking about it. It's like confusion is really key to standing out online. And she brought in literally a vase. Like it was like, you know, two hand widths apart. She's like, I got this vintage craft on Etsy and it's just really been helping me hit my water intake. And like there was so much so many other things going on in this video is not about the craft at all. But all the comments yeah. were like She's drinking out of a vase. Like, this is insane. Like, is she doing this on purpose? Like, what's going on? Like, the element of confusion is so interesting. I I'm curious to hear what you have to say about that. Because you've, like, also worked on, like, more highly produced podcasts where I feel like the goal is, like, really high quality, not necessarily, like, tips and tricks to go viral in that way. So I'm curious, like, where you land on that personally. Yeah. I like personally, I'm not a fan of like a million growth tactics. Yeah. Because I think sometimes, and not that I don't like growth tactics to grow podcasts because I think they're important, but I think sometimes when people focus on them way too much, it does diminish their like want to create the best quality they possibly can. So if you're so focused on going viral, are you going to be saying or doing something within that content that doesn't necessarily reflect you or it doesn't have to be yeah. a video? And kind of being able to have like, okay, how can I convey the message I want to while still being able to grow is something that is like extremely important to balance. And like a good example that's not even in the podcasting space would be like, it's called the Reduced Shakespeare Company, I think. Whoa, cool. And it's this, it's this like, a comedy group where they, I think they actually do like Shakespeare comedy, like Hamlet and things like that, I believe. Is it that guy, but, Octopus um, Lover? Or different? Have you seen his TikToks? That is, I love him. I completely love him. And I think like that is also really, that's a good example too. Like how can I get my message across while like incorporating something else like in the Reduce Shakespeare Company or Octopus Lover, like Jake, I don't forget his last name, but Octopus Lover, his first name He's is He's so Jake. funny. And apparently he was at Yeah, I know. Wedding, I was going to say he was like crazy. making TikToks with Sophia Ritchie. I feel like I saw one TikTok yeah. about her. Had never really like heard about her before and then it was like my whole free page and i was like Same. dang and she's killing she it is i'm like it. okay girl like, pop off tell me, tell me everything but like yeah they're they're great at creating content that you know gets to the point of a story and like really really is like the point they're trying to get across but at the same time is using comedy to kind of like boost that like effort yeah of comedy i feel like comedy is big like making people laugh huge do you have a do Definitely. you have a go-to dad joke no, literally none. And my dad messages us every single day in our family group chat, like every single day without fail. Like I'll read you today's. That's like how we start our morning. My parents message us at between six and six thirty, and then my dad sends a dad joke. Like we like. Can you work. please read me? And I think today's, today's was like. I'll That's bring it up so right now. funny. Oh, he said, "I hear money talks. Mine just waves goodbye." 
was today's dad joke. I thought it was pretty good. We said under, so he had out of the I think six people in the group chat, he only got two ha-has. Oh no. So wasn't, wasn't the wasn't ratio a, he was looking wasn't a great for. One that is tough. Was it? Well, sometimes he gets booze. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's still a pretty good response. Yeah, like it could, it one. definitely could be negative. It's not. Oh, he and my brothers are so strict. Like, they're so strict. mean to him about it. Like, they're, that's not even good. Up your bar. No, seriously. It's, like, so bad. I'm, like, looking through all of our texts right now, and they're just, like, I just looked up in our search joke in our family, like, chat, and it's insane. Like, just, like, scrolling through. But Wait, that's it's so one fun. of those things that I'm so thankful to have, like, parents that text me. Oh, I love that. I, okay, wait, I have a question as we wrap up. Do you have any questions for me? I spent uh, Of yeah, course I do. Hit me. So. Okay. In a, <laughs> a previous episode that I was listening okay. to, you said one of your favorite questions was what, like, to ask other people is, like, what books are they reading right now? Because it really provides, like, a look into that person's yeah. life. In full transparency, I just read a book club book. I read Shoe Dog for the first time. I don't know how I, I saw the song about reading so. it. Don't worry. Yeah, I I don't know why I'm like, I feel like everyone, this isn't also a book club with tech people. This is like my friend from high school. Like nobody's a founder in it. And they were like, have you read this? This seems like something you would like. I'm like, I, I haven't. But what have you been reading? Because you read more than any. Yeah, I've been reading like a lot recently. I recently read Tomorrow, Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which like emotionally destroyed me. I think I can't do it. it. It's this wonderful story about these two kids who meet in a hospital when they're young and their paths intertwining throughout life and they co-found like a video game together it goes really well and it goes through this like I don't know if there's any other way to describe it but like kind of this like DNA helix form of like some of them having success and some of them not and like them having like challenges and triumphs in their like personal and professional lives and it was such a beautiful story of like the intimacy of platonic friendship and the ending murked me i had to go like sit in a in a dark room for a while after that and just sit with my feelings but i i loved it and i think like i invest pretty heavily in gaming like gaming infrastructure and it was really cool to like see how like because they wanted a higher level of creative it pushed the level of like gaming infrastructure that they could build and then like vice versa Mm -hmm. like once they had that level of gaming infrastructure like all these incredible games started coming out. What else have I been reading? I went to the free pile at the farmer's market and I got a bunch of really old tattered books. I think I'm reading one. I don't know. I think it was on my desk. It's like The Magic of Thinking Big and it's like a 90s like self-help book. But it's like I love the OG ones because every self-help book like the things in there have been said before. So I feel like sometimes when you go back to the ones that yeah. are written, I think like pre-technology specifically I feel like the ones nowadays that reference a lot of like digital identity and stuff like that and sometimes I'm like okay like I think about this too much so I want to get back to like who I am in person you know like kind of need to touch grass a bit yeah Um, so I've been reading that I think it's the magic of thinking big so I've really been enjoying those too I love that yeah I love like books written by therapists. Yeah. Like, the Defining Decade or Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. Those are two books both written by therapists. And obviously like there's things in there that I'm not like 100% agreeable to. Yeah. But like it is so nice hearing somebody who's basically entire profession is to be like, okay, 
this is who you are as like a person, like really nailing that into your head. This like they, they don't talk about like who you are as your online self feels like a very like, good experience to have. And also, if you like to cry to books, have you read Crying in H Mart? Oh my god, so gorgeous! I really liked it. I didn't Literally. realize that the author was also like the lead singer or basically like Japanese. Yeah, breakfast, Japanese right? breakfast. I was like halfway through the book, and then she just mentioned Japanese breakfast, and I was like, oh what? Like, I listened to Japanese yeah. Breakfast, and no one told me about this, but it was, like, a side project that she had created to deal with the grief that she was going through with her mother's illness. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. I feel like I have so much context for this band and this music, so which was sick. Ooh, Daisy Jones and the Six. That's my favorite book that I've read Oh, recently. my gosh. I'm in my Stevie Nicks era. Even, well, I, I have to say. Dude, it is so – so have you read – that is I, probably one of my favorite authors. You know, Taylor I mean? Jenkins like, Reid is absolutely. amazing. She goes so deep. Seven, yeah, Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, Malibu Rising. She's read. She's written some of my favorite books. I think that her portrayal of specifically a woman experiencing levels of like fame and success, and some of like the downsides of that, whether that's like maintaining like friendships or relationships in the public eye I think it's something that increasingly more people are thinking about even in like niche ways as people build like online followings there's this really like weird perception thing that happens where you can have some parasocial relationships you don't know if they're parasocial you're like it just can complicate things so I feel like she writes really well about that and that's hitting because a lot of people are like I think a lot more people are becoming known than were in the past. Like there used to just be like a tier of celebrities, oh but now yes. there's like, you know, a bunch of people with the Brooke Shield talks about yeah, that. Super interesting. In and have you read Brooke Shields book no. now? So Brooke Shields literally talks about this. She's like, Yeah, there used to be like only a few people that were famous. Yeah. Like and they're mega, mega, mega stars. Everybody would know who they are, right? But now, like, ask your dad who Madison Beer is. There's like I I don't even know if anybody on this podcast would know who Madison uh, yeah. Beer is. I I barely know who Madison I Beer is. She's like multi millions of followers. Every I don't know even know what she's famous for. She a model singer. I don't know. She's an internet person, but she has like millions of followers. Yeah, right? and it is crazy. It is crazy. You know, but yeah. if you listen to Davy Jones and the Six as an audiobook, a different person is reading off each person's what? voice. So I read it as a regular book. Like initially, and then my mom told me she was like, "Re-listen." Yeah, it's such a cool format. The like the docu series is the Amazon. You're gonna die. It's so good. The costumes are amazing. Elvis Presley's granddaughter plays Daisy Jones. She looks exactly like I would imagine Daisy Jones. And Sam Claflin plays what's his name? Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting. Anyways. Plays the guy. It's good stuff. Okay. okay, well, I'm excited to read more books. I want to read Brooke Shields' book. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on. Where can people find you on the internet? Yes. So, first off, thank you so much for having me on. This was super cool. People can find me at underscore Rachel Braun on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, wherever. And if you want to email me, I'm Rachel at brawnandbrains.com. But Braun is spelled like my last name. So B-R-A-U-M. Recently found out that was like a survivor thing, like Braun and Brains. So SEO is not good. However, I thought it was a pretty Still cool. Still we persist. Cool. 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 Cool.
Yeah, <laughs> but we're working on it. <laughs> like one day, one day it'll be. I'll be bigger than. Survivor. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and I hope everyone listening enjoyed this one. Special thank you to producer Riley Jennings and podcast editor Tate Doherty for your help on this episode. If you're listening and you'd like to connect with me, follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn, page Finn with three N's. Thanks again for listening. I really appreciate it. You can look out for new episodes every Monday at 5 p.m. PST. And if you'd like to learn more about the strategies and tactics of seasoned institutional investors and rising venture stars, check out our YouTube channel at Seed to Harvest. Also, my TikTok channel is Seed to Harvest, where I post a lot of behind the scenes. Um, And if you like this episode, please rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If that's on Apple or Spotify. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day.